Hi, I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Amen. Amen and amen and happy Sabbath to you. I'm so glad to be here with you. What a delight. Good to see the Luby family right here in something other than a picture on the pew. Thank you for helping today. For our praise team, thank you so much. Just came from the park where we had our adoration in the park service at 10.30. We've also got 9 o'clock at the Goliath Wall continues on. And this, our streamed service in our revival series. We continue on. Revival. Today, devoted. Devoted. And as we begin, I'd like to direct your attention. Find it in your Bible. Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. Before we get there, though, I want to make something uh, uh, clear to you. I want to give an invitation to you if it would be something you'd be interested in. Next week, we are beginning an experiment. Pastor Carol Verrill, our children's pastor, is beginning an experiment at 9 o'clock a.m. between 9 and 10, something she is calling our outdoor family Sabbath school. Now, it'll be kind of the bigger, the kind of the elements of some children's church and Sabbath school, but it's going to be socially distanced. You want to bring a mask for those situations where you can't socially distance. It's going to be out in the field between <clears throat> the elementary school and the church here. And right now, at least, that's just an open field with just a pavilion. So you're going to want to bring sunscreen, possibly, your own chairs, and, uh, you know, d drinking water, that sort of thing. But here's the, here's the, here's the key. <clears throat> We're saying family Sabbath school on purpose because the, the entry, the ticket in for our children is they have to have a parent accompanying them. This isn't a Sabbath school where you come and bring children and drop them off. It is also true if you come just as an older person or older couple, which you'd be welcome to do, just be prepared that we are, we are shooting straight at the heart of our children. So be prepared that that's what's going to be going on there during that kind of hour. We're going to be experimenting with that. You'd be welcome to come. Again, we're doing everything we can to stay as safe as we can, especially as our school year gets started at the university here in a few weeks and at our school system this coming week. So do bring a mask for those moments that you cannot or are not socially distanced, but we're going to do our best to have a wonderful time. Hopefully the weather will cooperate. I will tell you this. I've been uh, concerned about the weather today for our outdoor services, and every week it's been the same story. Uh, I don't know exactly if, if God is moving clouds around or it's just been wonderful. In either way, we're going to give God the glory and the praise for this that we have not had to cancel. I was, I was uh, starting to get concerned about whether or not we'd be able to be outside today, but we were. And so we'll continue that kind of process as we head into the school year with our schools. But you've found now in this, our revival series, Devoted Today, you found Isaiah chapter 55, and I'm going to read from the New International Version some familiar words to you. Starting in verse 6, it says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. And this is part of what our series has been about so far as we've kind of traveled through some of the pages of the book Steps to Christ. This sense of who God is and and our own innate sinfulness and how we need a Savior and his grace and his forgiveness and we turn to him and we, we proclaim who we are. We confess our sins while there is yet time And the Lord gives mercy to us and pardons us. But what then? For my thoughts, quoting God, quoting the Lord, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we've talked about this notion that as we come to Christ, as we proclaim our belief, then start something new, a new mind. And how do we have this new mind? What is the renewing of our mind all about? How does this work? How do we move from a reaction of belief to devotion to the one who can see from a higher plane For all that's going on here, well, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to dig into, if you don't mind, bowing your heads with me in prayer. Lord God, Lord God, bless us. Bless us as we open your word, as we gather around our televisions or our computer screens, our phones, as we worship together. Knit us together in a unique way because of all that's going on, please. But Lord, also, we, we ask that you have great mercy on us, that you accept our belief, but that you move us forward, that you grow us, plant something deep inside of us, and grow our devotion to you. Accept our devotion today. In Jesus we pray. Amen. So I've got a question. Um, I have something here, and I'm wondering, um, maybe these guys right here, Michael, are you able to tell me about this? And I'm talking about Michael Jr., my, my young friend. You don't know what this is? You don't know what it is? Is it a frog? No. Is it a, uh, is it a wig? What? It's a rope. Smart guy right over here. Smart guy. It's a rope. What, how else would you describe it? It's kind of a long rope. Right? It's a long rope. You can't even see the end of it. Uh, And I don't know if you know how long it is. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But how else would you describe it? Let's say you were going to tell your cousins about it at church. Pastor Dave had this rope. It was what? So is is it thick or thin? Well, it depends on what you're comparing it to, doesn't it? It's kind of thick. It's kind of thick. And what else would you say about it? It's white. It's a white rope. Now, by the way, for those of you that know these sorts of things, if you're wondering how long it actually is, it is 100 feet long, which is the distance, the length of a rope of this thickness you can get at one of our big box stores. If you go on one longer than that, you're going to have to special order something. So that's as long as it goes. Let me ask you this, though, Michael, and anyone else. What if I showed you this? Because you just described this as a decently long, somewhat thick rope, a white rope. (laughs) <laughs> now what? It's a red. So it's a red rope, you're saying. Is it a red rope? It's red and white. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it really depends on what part of it you're looking at. 
Some of you are bright enough, and you probably might be onto this, Michael. You might notice that most of it's white. That's because it is, in fact, it started out being a right, white rope, and so Pastor Dave just spray-painted this six inches of this part of the rope. So it's actually a white rope with a little bit of red on it. And that's actually what I want to suggest about our lives. You know, we tend to see only this little part that's going on right here, right now. And if somebody said, I want to live a long life, how long would they be talking about? They might be talking about 75 years, 85 years. They might be talking about 95 years. They might be talking about 105 years. They want to live a long life. But let's just be honest about it. We're talking about just the tip of the rope. We're talking about just this tiny red part of the rope, but we get so consumed. Our perspective is so consumed with the red part of the rope, this little bit of the rope, that we get, I mean, we can't see that this is actually a unique little piece, just a tiny, tiny fragment of this big, long rope. And so it's 100 feet long, and we've got about six inches. But what if this rope were not 100 feet? What if it were 100 yards long? What if it went 100 yards? What if it were 100 miles long? What if it were 100 light years long? Now, some of you are science interested, at least, and would know that is long, 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 long. And if you took a 100 light year long rope and you just kind of kept coiling it up and you dropped it in a pile and, and there was this little red tip, it would hardly even be worth talking about this little red tip, right? This little tiny piece. But for us in this world, this is everything. And we talk about it like there's nothing else. But I want to suggest to you, Jesus Christ has invited us into a white rope life. It is an eternal life. You can't see the end of it. And there is this little piece, this little tiny piece it's going on right here, right now, and we can get really, really wrapped up. We can get, you know, I, I look at it and I think, okay, so right over here, this is where I was born. It's my birthday right there at the end. It's my birthday, and I know many of you are wondering exactly when that is to make sure you have all the gifts ready and all that stuff. It's not for a while yet, so just, you can relax. But along in here, right in here, in this, in this kind of like 64th of an inch, that, was, that, that particular year we moved as a family, and frankly we moved again, and we moved again, we moved again. Right there in that first half inch, we moved an awful lot there. And then you move out here, and I get into high school, right? All kinds of crazy stuff. I mean some stuff happened that were the end of the world. In this little tiny piece of the red tip of the white rope, but I get confused. I tend to see everything. Everything is the white rope. I see that the pandemic that I can't see the other side of yet. That's, I mean, all there is. And, oh, is this the way this is going to be now? This is the new normal. It's the new normal maybe for the red tip of the white rope. But God calls us to a different vantage point, a vantage point where we can see that this is just a tiny, tiny temporary bit of this long, grand invitation and experience that God has called us to. You know, one of the people who really had a fix on it, somehow in his time with Jesus and all that had gone on, maybe part of it was getting knocked off his horse by the blinding presence of Jesus Christ, this Saul-turned-Paul, he would write some interesting things. Check this out. 
as we consider again these thoughts from God that are not the way we naturally think. We naturally think of the red rope only, but his ways are a white rope way as the heavens are higher, as the white rope is greater than this tiny little bit of red rope. I want to turn to Philippians chapter 3 and take a look at something that Paul says there. You'll recall it. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, One thing I do. One thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Paul says, look, I get it. I get it. Great things happen in the red rope. Terrible things happen in the red rope. But however good you think the great thing is that happened in this little half inch of the red rope, guess what? It's just the red rope part. There is something bigger, better, other, beyond. There is, it's in the context of this grand strand of our journey with Jesus that is not meant to so obscure us from what a life in Jesus should be like. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is that prize? The prize is the white rope life. The prize is knowing that no, does not matter what it is that's happening in our society it is a part of this tough experience here and we seek to change it and do our best in this, but we know that this is just this tiny part of the grand journey of our lives that God is calling us into. Not someday, not if we do well enough here, he is inviting us to claim the white rope now. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul will say it again in a slightly, ever so slightly different way. He'll say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And here, right toward the end of his life, where he's about to go to his death, you can almost see him straining at the tape to try to just break the tape across the finish line to get out of the red part and into the white. Isn't it interesting how the disciples viewed what it was like to follow Jesus Christ? They got to a place after his resurrection where they could almost only see the white rope. Where they didn't count it any particular loss to give their lives as a martyr. Why? Because they had gotten past the view that I'm so preoccupied with in this meantime existence. They had gotten onto the other side of it. They were living an eternal life in Jesus Christ. And this is, this is Jesus' words to us. These are Jesus' words to us that he came to bring the kingdom of heaven into our lives. He came to bring the white rope into our lives to help us escape red rope life existence and living. Now how do you do that though? I don't know if you, have you ever worked towards something really hard and then achieved it or gotten it only to realize it's not that big a deal? <laughs> Maybe anybody who's listening who is a video game player, which I don't do much of because of just how much time that can sometimes take. My son plays video games that he would love for me to play. I have a hard time playing with my son because he's so good and I know I'm not going to get there. It's tough. But if you do play video games, you might, and, and I'm not going to make any judgments of what age that might mean you are. But if you play a video game, you're trying to get to another level, you're trying to get to another, and it can kind of consume you. You can keep trying, 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 and it can consume you. I know high school buddies of mine, I call them buddies, that, that way I get to sound younger. Uh, but high school friends of mine who are consumed with getting past a certain level or through a storyline or 
And it's everything until suddenly you're done and then it's on to something else and that disappears and that's kind of what the red rope life is like. Something that happens in the midst of our time right now can seem like the biggest deal in the world and give it a few years and suddenly it's not as big a deal. You ever had that happen where you thought, oh, oh, that was the worst thing that could possibly happen? The breakup with a girl while dating in college. At one point, it was the worst thing. You, some years later, and I see it as the best thing because there's my wife right now. It wasn't that girl, so I'm so glad. But when you're in the middle of it and you can't see the whole of it, it gets all-consuming. It's compelling, right? But we can become blind. We need God's help being able to see further, to see past. Maybe you know somebody who's worked really hard to be able to retire what they would say, retire well, to retire when they want to, to have the money they want to be able to travel, to do things. I know some people who have gotten to the point of retirement and have been a workaholic to get there and to get everything they wanted to have. By the time they got to retirement, they no longer had the family that they could have spent their time with. Their children don't care about spending their time. They've lost their marriage. They've lost friends. They don't have... We can get preoccupied with the wrong thing. And Jesus is saying, look, I call you to see a different point of view, a different perspective, my kingdom perspective, and it will change everything about you. But how do we find that kingdom perspective? And I want to suggest to you, it is through keeping the first things first, but it is a complete rearrangement for the masses of the world who have locked in and simply think about the red part of the rope. I want to suggest to you that devotion to Jesus comes about after we have claimed the gift of Jesus and are living into the white part of the rope. Devotion, true devotion to Jesus isn't our way of earning our way out of the red part of the rope. It starts now in this time, but it shifts and changes things. I wish I had a magic trick that could then go and this would be all just white. Because for those who follow Jesus, they start living now in the long run story, but they do so through practicing a relationship with the giver of all this rope. So we're going to talk over these next few minutes, and then over the next couple of Sabbaths, about some of the ways that we grow in our devotional life. Jesus tells parables about, about planting seed and gives, gives these metaphors about how the Christian life develops. But it starts by being able to actually grapple with a changing understanding of what all it is that's going on here because of the grand context of the white rope. But then there are practices that we can develop that will give us opportunity to know Jesus, to spend our time, not so that we deserve, but because we have claimed the kingdom of Christ for our own home. And we're going to look at three different areas. I'll talk about the next couple of weeks coming up because, yes, the gospel of Jesus Christ has significantly to do with his saving you. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ is relational, complex, and wildly large. 
And he is seeking to save all the lost who would come to him and to create a family of community. So we're going to spend a little time today on our own personal devotional walk with Jesus. We're going to spend some time in our relationships with the family of Christ. And they're going to be kind of two different ones. I, I, I want to lay claim to both parts of having small opportunities with close friends. We call them small groups a lot of the time, <clears throat> but sometimes that turns us off, I'm afraid, because we think of something kind of specific. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a certain kind of spiritual grouping that maybe makes the conversation too small. Truth is, our best days are usually spent in small groups. Thanksgiving with family running to the mall with a group of friends, a text chat with six friends when something's up and you want them all to know. When I talk to individuals about how they love to spend their time, it's usually some version of I like to hang out with my friends, small group. The kind of grouping where you get to speak up, the kind of grouping where somebody's listening to you, the kind of grouping where somebody would notice if you weren't there, where somebody would be able to say to you, man, you don't look... Well, right now, are you okay? Do you need somebody to talk to or a bowl of soup? A group that can be accountable to one another, that can grow together. And spiritually speaking, this is a dynamic that makes a big difference in your walk with Jesus. But I will say this too, because I've heard some people say you should never have a church grouping bigger than size X. Well, you're going to have to throw away portions of Revelation. Because Revelation will talk about the masses coming together in the large, swelling energy, calling out, proclaiming as one voice, worthy, worthy, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. If you've ever been a part of a large crowd that has one voice together, there is something going on there that I see referenced in the book of Revelation and coming together for corporate proclamation and corporate worship. It's something that God led all the way back with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and, and on into the future through Revelation. So that, yeah, three different ways we're going to talk about our journey of growth in Jesus. We're going to talk about our personal devotional walk with Jesus. We're going to talk about what it is to have an intimate group of fellow believers that we can find fellowship with and we're going to talk about what it is to come together as a large group proclaiming the name of God in worship as well. So we shift to our thoughts about a personal walk with Jesus. Included in a list of interesting stories, parables, and sharings from Christ is this little little tag at the end of Luke chapter 10 that it, it almost seems misplaced. You've become familiar with where we're going to go in Luke chapter 10 in places like John chapters 11 and 12. In John chapter 11, we bump into this character called Lazarus. Lazarus is sick. Jesus is too late, or is he? Because Lazarus will die, and as Jesus shows up in Bethany, he will be encountered by Martha. He'll be met by Mary. They'll, they'll share their disappointment that he didn't show up in time, and he will say, actually, there's a plan. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. 
He will end up calling Lazarus by name out of the grave, resurrecting as a first fruit promise to us that we have the long rope as a prize from this our Savior. You'll also bump into stories about Mary and Martha at a feast. Very different roles. Martha is actually preparing this feast and it's listed, it's told in different places so that some wonder if it's more than one occasion. Others would say this is all one in all four Gospels, just told in different spots in different ways with slightly different details. But in this particular story, Jesus comes to the feast of a Pharisee, Simon, whom he has been a leper that he has healed. And as he sits down at this feast, coming in from the side is a woman named Mary who her life has been turned around by a walk with Jesus. And she's not right about everything. She's confused about some things. She's not sure if he's going to be proclaimed king. She's taken seriously that he said he's going to die. And so she saved up all of her money on some perfume to give at his burial. But now it seems like the masses are going to proclaim him king. So she takes this alabaster box, as we've talked about before, and she crushes it on Jesus' feet, his hair. She wipes his feet with her hair. So we know Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, in this 10th chapter of Luke, Lazarus isn't mentioned, but we know who he is. We know who they are. Jesus, this is a family friendship. This is a grouping that Jesus comes to, and he comes into their home, and he sits down, and Martha is pretty consumed with what should happen next. I grew up in the home of a worrier. I used to joke with my mother that she was professional in her capacities to worry. But she worried about things like the length of our hair and what people would say about the suit that she had made for us and whether she could invite people over to our home because they would be critical of the food or the house or the cleaning. Or and I actually witnessed in many days, many times, that that kind of kept her captive and held back some of her joy and kept her from participating, sometimes in things that I think she would have loved if she could have just gotten over some of the worry. Martha's a worrier. She's a hospitality queen. She's going to be putting on the party, but she's also pretty sure everything has to be done in a certain way, and she's willing to tell you about it and enlist you, but in her way. The 10th chapter of Luke, and verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came, Jesus, to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. He had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted. And just before we go any further in this story, and by the way, part of what we're going to talk about in a few minutes is how to read scripture to allow it to come alive in a devotional journey with Jesus. And one of the ways, we'll refer to this again in a minute, one of the ways to do that is when you run into, these, into stories, to unpack those stories by living into it. Imagine your way into it. What can you hear? What can you see? Because if we just read these words and we're not careful, we see Jesus there, Mary on the floor, Martha concerned. But the story's already told us the disciples are there somewhere also. Are they outside? Are they inside? They've all journeyed there. Are they dusty-footed as they sit down? Does somebody wash their feet? Do they wash their own? Have, have, I mean, we know the disciples' approach to who's going to wash whose feet at this point. Are they hanging around the outskirts just kind of respecting the family interaction? What do you see and what do you hear? This is one of the things you can do in your journey to really let Jesus speak into your life is to ask, what do I see? What do I hear? Martha 
But Martha was distracted. One of the things that you want to do is ask yourself, who, who am I in this story? And very often you can be more than one person in the story. Who am I in the story? Martha was distracted. Do you know what's amazing is you can get distracted by the smallest of things. I mean, how is it that we as, as, as a group of people so easily, even us who profess ourselves to be Christians, can get distracted by this little tiny bit of rope? It's like we're hypnotized by this little tiny tip of red rope and so that's all we can see and we miss that there's something bigger going on. But Martha is distracted. Mary is at Jesus' feet, but Martha is distracted. Maybe I'm Martha and maybe I am Mary both. Certain days I'm not distracted. Certain days I come to Jesus' feet and I spend time at Jesus' feet. Some days I'm distracted by everything else and it could be great stuff. It could be big stuff. It could be appropriate worries. It could be big celebrations and I could get distracted and lose track of where Jesus' feet are. I want you to also pay attention. Notice something. They may be, they may be used to it by now but it is a controversial, massive thing that has just been said here by Luke. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. By now the disciples have gotten a little more used to this. But Jesus, a teacher, they would call him rabbi. Here Luke calls him Lord. Like a wise man who is somehow above the rest of us and, and others would want to follow these wise men, these rabbis, but not women by the way. It was a controversial thing to include the idea that a woman would be in the front row right there at Jesus' feet. That was the posture of a disciple. That was the posture of one of the disciples of a rabbi. But that was not something a woman could take that place. Maybe by now the disciples are used to it or maybe they're still dealing with this stuff. Can you hear their minds churning? What is going on here? As Jesus smashes another one of the many barriers that we can falsely erect between us and sitting at his feet. So I don't know how many times you've failed in an attempt to have a devotional life or a devotional journey with Jesus. I don't know how regularly you have to pray forgiveness over the exact same sins. I don't, you may just feel just absolutely confused and like you've never actually really devoted yourself to Jesus. Jesus would say this, look, I take away every barrier, a cultural barrier, a performance barrier, some psychological barrier that might be in your mind. Jesus is about removing all the barriers so that you can come to his feet. The only barrier between you and Jesus is you. The only barrier between me and my walk with Jesus Christ is possibly me getting distracted like Martha, the worries of the world, or just losing sight of the bigger view and becoming myopic and enamored with the tiny little red portion of the rope. But Jesus will say, <clears throat> A few interesting words to Martha. Martha is distracted by all the preparations. It's good stuff that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I don't know Martha, of course, but I know people who, who get uh, consumed by these kinds of moments. I don't know for sure, but I kind of, in my mind, I see some passive-aggressive behavior that's been happening for a few minutes already. 
right? The, the dishes clanging in the kitchen have gotten louder and louder. She's put a few out on the table even before they really needed to be put there just to make a point with a clunk. And maybe her footfalls are going a little extra hard and she keeps glancing to see if she can catch either Jesus' eyes with a... Or maybe Mary with another one of those eye rolls. Come on, get in here. But finally... She's had enough. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? And by the way, about anything you could ask Jesus, do you care? His answer would be, yes, I do. I care about this thing that happened when you were in sixth grade. I care about the loss of your job. I care about your diagnosis of cancer. I care about the loss of your loved one. But just keep in mind that my caring about all this has compelled me to do some things that actually are all about this stuff out here. Do, do, you, you're locking in on the wrong prize. It is way too small a deal to hope for a 105-year-old long life. It's way too small a thing to hope that simply you'll have a good job and make enough money to retire well. It's way too small a thing Maybe you like me, I think about, you know, I'm, 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 on the, I'm on the other side of halfway. I'm 56 years of age, I doubt I'm going to live to 112. I'd like to. But I'm probably, I'm probably, and Jesus says, what are you talking about? You're nowhere near halfway. You are nowhere near halfway. You're distracted. You're consumed with the wrong thing. You're focused on the wrong stuff. Martha, don't you care? Sure, I care, but I care about even more things than you care about. I care about bigger things than you care about. Martha, Martha, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answers, you're worried and upset about so many things. I wonder how many days Jesus would like to just break through the clouds and speak that into my life. Hey, Dave, you know, you are worried about so many things. I was worried about the weather today. I shared that with you. The weather was fine. This is the same Jesus who will say, let the day's trouble be enough for the day and know I'm coming to save you. Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things. But few things are needed. In fact, only one and Mary has chosen that one, and it will not be taken away from her. I just want to say to you, in this conversation of ours, if we don't go any further to talk about our interactions in, in our small groups or our worship communities, if we just lock in here for a while, it is such a big, big deal that all of this white rope is a result of a friendship with Jesus. It's, a, it's an ongoing friendship, open friendship with Jesus that he calls us into that kingdom now. Don't stay back here in the, in the red part of the story. Jump into the white part of the story in a relationship with Jesus. Not to earn your way out, but because you're already in. So how do we do it? How do I have a devotional walk with Jesus? How do I spend my time 
in my devotions with Jesus. Maybe you've tried it before and feel like you've fallen. Maybe you've never really tried it. Maybe you're really doing great. But I'd just like to walk down through a handful of little principles. And look, I, I have to admit something to you because I, every once in a while I feel this way. I'm going to talk about some things that I think most of us know. But I'm just going to do it anyway. Because maybe it'll jar something loose. Maybe it'll put, click a little piece of the puzzle together. Some idea. And so if you're sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I do that. That's, all, I, that's something that I've, I've noticed too. Then just put a, put a grand moment of exclamation to God in that spot. But maybe there's something that we're going to talk about that's new to you. And if so, then maybe it's a help to you in having a journey with Jesus that includes you sitting at his feet. Instead of spending the majority of your spiritual time in the kitchen worried so a couple of things one slow down <laughs> I need to hear this you may need to hear it too slow down do you know I, I know some of you here at least my wife there are probably some others have Apple watches something about Apple watches is every once in a while Tisha am I wrong every once in a while you get a little little jolt, a little haptic response on your, on your wrist, and you look down, and you know what your watch is telling you to do? If it's an Apple watch, it's telling you to breathe. 60 seconds, tap this button, and you'll watch this thing expand and contract very slowly. And for those of us that are in a hurry, or we've been in a hurry, it's like, okay, breathe, all right, breathe. You know, right? like we're going through Lamaze or something. No, no, no. Spiritually, every day, as you flip those legs out of the bed and put them on the ground, consider that God wants to jolt your wrist with a little suggestion. Breathe. Just slow it down. I wonder if it couldn't be an upgrade to many of our days simply to sit in a chair and do nothing but say Jesus' name. Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing here except I'm going to stop. I'm going to just let whatever's in my head just drain out. I'm going to breathe slowly and I'm going to use your name to measure my breaths. I wonder what kind of improvement would occur in some of our worlds. Maybe we'd start to gain a perspective that has more in it than just the red part of the rope. Uh, it also is an important suggestion. I know some of us begin our day more difficultly than others. Some of us bound out of bed alive and ready to conquer the world. Others of us crawl and don't even know we've been out of bed for a while. Some of us need a shower. Some of us need a run. Some of us need to just sit and talk. But this connection with Jesus changes everything. And if you spend the majority of your day just hypnotized by the red part of the rope, you would have had a much better day if you had had a more white rope vision in it from the start. Because you are going to have to live through this part of the day too. But if you could wrap some of that white rope around it. It would change the perspective of how you deal with the difficulty, the calamity, the surprises, the disappointments. So start. Start your day. Find your spot. It's something I, I recommend. Now, I am a little bit ADD, so I like moving around a little bit too. But I will say that there are an awful lot of us that we, when we, if there's a place, and that can be part of the problem sometimes, is we just don't have our spot. We don't have the, the 
place that just puts us in the mind that here's what I'm doing here now. I know one person that, that does this with candles that are scented because, and they don't light those candles for anything else but their devotional time. So, so that when they smell that scent, it means I'm spending time with Jesus. For some it is a very special place, a time. It might be because it's a quieter place. It could be more, have more solitude or it's just a place that you can be more consistent. Another thing that I like to point out and it comes from my own journey and my own experience, maybe this didn't happen to you, but is, is this, have modest expectations. Some of you may have been in a relationship with somebody that you wanted to date and your expectations were a little out of whack, a little too fast. And that just creates all kinds of weirdness and pressure and distortion and abnormality. Pace yourself. If this is new for you, then go short distances. Don't be, don't be trying to you know, discover everything about everything with Jesus right this second. Just take a small step with him in this relationship. Have modest expectations and let him be the one responsible for growing your appetite for time with him. Another one, you know, we've gone a few already and it seems like maybe this one should have been bumped up higher in the list, but I just felt like throwing it in here because maybe it'll surprise you at this point. Otherwise, it might not have been a surprise. And it's this. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My devotional life is not the time I really am going to necessarily care to figure out the 2300 days or to figure out the, whether there should be an additional doctrine added to the Seventh-day Adventist Church or one other one eliminated. It's not going to be the time I'm learning Greek. It's not going to be the time that I am trying to put all of the historical elements into place. Though sometimes those very things can be useful in helping us lock in on Jesus. But it is about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I want to give you this text from Paul again who seemed really to be able to move in his relationship after having been blown off his horse by the bright light of Jesus' presence, after having persecuted Christians. He seemed to get out of just the red rope living experience into the white part of the rope in so many ways and one of them is here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in which he says each one each one should be careful how he builds how you build your devotional life what is this about by the way if you if you I just would say this too you might think that you uh, don't have a devotional life every one of us does it's not whether you have a devotional life. It's who you are devoted to, what you are devoted to. And so Paul says you should be careful what you're building in your devotion, in your devotional life. Be careful how you build, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you want this white rope experience, if you want to live into the white rope right now, it is a call to Jesus. 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 There is no other name under which we must be saved. It's Jesus. So lock in on Jesus. I, I also would just invite you, go deeper. One of the people that in my life is uh, just superb at this is my wife. <laughs> I can have a phone conversation with my best friend and my wife will ask me, so what did you talk about? And I have almost nothing two minutes after getting off the phone for an hour because it was all pretty shallow and humorous and you know but she always challenges me for depth and Jesus wants to go 
into those deepest places of our lives, the places that we need most some companionship and it's so hard, maybe the hardest, to find it. I would encourage you to, to play with things like writing. I, I enjoy writing. I find that uh, when I, if, if, say a prayer, if I just pray a prayer just in my head, I can wander all around. But if I write, there's something to that that creates synthesis in my mind and connections in my mind. And beyond that, there's this deep added bonus that I can look back at it later, even if it's just that day. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Right. Consider how you pray as well. I think we are pretty sterile sometimes in how we use prayer and how we think of prayer. In fact, I would submit that a devotional life with Jesus, the whole thing is prayer. But start by acknowledging that. Lord God, as I spend these few minutes with you right now, I am in conversation with you. And that's two ways. I would submit that one of the things about the posture of Mary with Jesus is that Jesus was given ample room and space to be the one talking. And I do wonder sometimes if I could possibly become that friend who just talks too much and never listens. So as we kind of roll our way through the end of this, I just want to give two examples of ways you can turn to Scripture for your devotional life, again, knowing that for many of you, this is old hat. This is stuff you know very well. You've done it before. You do other ways. You do other things. But some in the hearing of this moment will say, yeah, I've tried. I just don't know what to do. I, I just read the Bible. Did you have this? I, when I was a, a teenager or a little bit younger, I would, I would take a devotional reading and I would early in the morning, and again, I was probably not showered yet, so I was half asleep. And I would take this and I would just, my eyes would go over the words, but there was nothing happening in my head. And I would do that for distance, right? I'd say, okay, I'm going to read this chapter. Uh, but I would not, I didn't go deep. I went for distance and not a lot was going on. And I could really have used some of this then. So I'm going I'm to I'm share a couple of different ways. Uh, for you to read scripture. And of course, again, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There are places in the Old Testament that you could use as your devotional time, but I'd steer you, if you don't have a lot of experience, I'd steer you straight in the New Testament. I'd steer you into the Gospels first. But you can also go to the writings of Paul. It's a little bit more challenging to go to things that are not stories when you're new to this conversation with Jesus. Stories are the easier place. So we'll talk about stories in a minute. Let's start then with finding truth in principles. So a lot of Paul's letters, for instance, sometimes they're just deeply difficult to even unpack or, or kind of even think about. But if you're going to do this, I, I recommend, and, and by the way, uh, a thank you to a friend, Becky Cross, who gave me a little booklet by Clarence and Diana Schilt um, that I'm stealing some of this from, but I, I could attribute it to other places that I've seen it as well. A couple of ways to read the scriptures, often with a pen in hand. So you take one of these passages of scripture, and I'm going to direct you to the last one that we read, which was 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 11. And so if you take this passage of scripture, just this right here, and I were going to have some devotional time on it, then what I would recommend is you read it twice. Just, again, that's part of that breathe, right? In and out. Read it a couple of times. Let it kind of wash over you. Some of you may like doing what I, one of the things I enjoy, which is to just actually tap the play button on my uh, 
version Bible and actually listen to it in a couple of different versions and let it kind of wash over me and see what's kind of sticking in my heart. And then something you can try is to just take that and say, okay, now I'm just going gonna, gonna to just take my crack at rewriting it. And it's not, you're not doing this to win any kind of prize. You're just putting it in your words. How do I read this? And your words will be in, inflected by what's going on that day, what's going on that week. As you'll notice, as I read to you what I wrote. I rewrote this, what I'm talking to God about here. Each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. What you're going to notice is that I can't help myself but inflect it with other stuff that's going on. Because I got into this passage partly in preparation for this sermon, and there's a lot going on in my head during that time. So, so so you'll notice that it overlays with, with how I'm thinking. So here's a, just a rewrite. Again, I do not suggest this because I think it is special, or, but you're just going to see what I did to these words as I wrote it in my own. I've, I should be thoughtful, purposeful in how I build my daily life. That's the part of that foundation that I found myself thinking about is kind of the dailiness of it. Foundations are critical. They're critical for safety, for sustainability. If I'm going to stand up very long, if I am thinking about more than just the red part of the rope, you see, I can't help myself, but thinking the metaphor that God's been bringing into my life, if I'm thinking about more than just the red part of the rope, I can see that my eternity relies on connection, on relationship with Jesus Christ for the bedrock. So don't get distracted by difficulty or lured by shiny toys today. I want to stay on a solid base as each moment comes my way. <clears throat> and you could rewrite it again and rewrite it again. Something happens when you put things in your own words. And by the way, you write that on a little note card, fold it in half and put it in your pocket, and people won't even know what you're doing, but you can reach over and just tap that card. You can feel it there in your pants, and you know. It's just a reminder to me, I am on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm about. And about the time somebody goes off on you, angry with you, you know your foundation is Jesus Christ. You're living in the white rope, that there's going to be hopefully some reconciliation here, but either way, even if they are an enemy of Jesus Christ himself, you are built on a foundation with Jesus. And so you'll, over time, having read, having put it in your own words, you'll start to notice observations about your day, how you want to live today. And the second, of course, is many times you might go to some place in Scripture and unpack a story. And I just, again, encourage you. We'll just take that Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 piece of Jesus coming into the home of Mary and Martha. And you just unpack that story. You read it a couple of times to allow yourself to breathe spiritually. And you begin to dialogue with God in the way that I do. I, I, I have to admit to you, I am extraordinarily visual. And so I see a home. I see Jesus sitting down. I have questions about his feet because if he was traveling, has he cleaned them? Did somebody else clean them? Is this a precursor to the moment all the way forward at the Last Supper? Where are the disciples? Are they outside? Did they go to some other homes? Are they there in the home? Are they, are they crowded around Jesus? And Mary steps over them to plunk down right in front of them because they've kept a respectful distance. Do you hear the dishes? Do you see the rolling of the eyes of 
Martha as she comes out. Beyond that, Jesus has now shared what could be a very pointed thing with Martha. She's chosen the better thing Mary did. She's chosen the one thing that's important to sit here with me. How does that, how, what's that interaction like? Does Martha slink away? Is she dejected and crushed? Or is there something in Jesus' eyes that communicates to her the mischievous side of a Jesus who would span the universe to come and find her and is, is not trying to scold her but is trying to invite her? Does she sit down? Do they take a few more minutes and then Jesus gets up to go join Martha with the rest of the preparations. How does that go? As you build the story, as you listen for sounds and notice the smells and, and the movements and push out on who might even be there, you start to consider this question. Who am I in the story? Today, who am I in the story? And right in that moment, I might be feeling like I am, I am Mary. I have just this just this gratitude for this time with you, Jesus. And I just hope I won't get distracted by tomorrow, which can happen to me. Am I Martha, filled with worry? Or maybe I'm impressed with myself. Or I've jumped onto tasks. I've I noticed a squirrel and my attention is gone. And in either case, can I hear the pleading voice of Jesus saying, just come sit with me. Just, just, just take a second. Just sit down for a second. Slow down for a minute. This I believe. If we are not careful, we will become consumed with this tiny, I mean it's idiotic really, this tiny little bit of territory that we call, we call this life. We say things like you get one life and usually when we say that, we're meaning this red part. Jesus would say, yeah, you do get one life, but that's almost none of it. How did you get locked in on that part? And by the way, it's like a revolution or a revolutionary war. This is the hard part. This is the terrible part. Why would that be the part you would lock in on so completely when there's all of this and I'm inviting you to live into this kind of a future and have that future? In fact, Jesus would say, here's how you do it. You come to me, you plug into me, you sit at my feet, you remain in me, John 15. Remain in me and I'll remain in you no matter what happens. No branch can bear fruit by itself if it, if it must, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. For I am this vine, this metaphor. You stay connected to me and you're the branches. And if, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you are only whatever tiny little bit of this red part of the rope you have. With me, you have everything. Everything. Don't get separated. Don't, even in your perspective, lop off this little piece and call it life. And he would say in other places, what I intend to do for you is to plant something deep in you, deep in you. 
to water it. It will grow. It will have deep roots. And you will be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And we can talk about that in a soul-winning kind of way. We could also talk about this fruit being the life of the kingdom, being able to have the fruit of seeing what we're not naturally capable of seeing, having a view of God's higher ways. So Lord God, we pray to you now asking, meet us in the quiet, meet us in the stillness of our slowing breaths. Help us to explore and experiment. Be in the words we write. Be in our eyes wide open prayer conversations with you. Invite us into some stillness where you can speak. And then change our perspective. Give us more ability to live your kingdom now, not just this tiny little red fraction. In the name of Jesus Christ, we claim your invitation and our willingness to be devoted to you. In Jesus, amen. And a happy Sabbath to you.